Hi, I'm Nora, and I'm at church. Because Trump is is interesting. I was shocked in 2015 into 2016 as he kind of rose to popularity and especially rose to popularity within the white evangelical Christian community, largely because he was so morally in such a different place than other previous um, candidates for, I guess, what you would maybe call the moral majority or, you know, that kind of group. Um, I mean, just comparing him to George W. Bush, there's a clear, like, just stark difference of trajectory, of lifestyle, of background, of ways that they talk to people, about people, you know, just, there was, there's just such a different personality than any candidate that um, is in modern Republican history. And, And obviously, that is what I think Trump was playing on, being that different candidate. Yeah, defund the church, rebuild the kingdom, ain't no doubt Time to wake up because the church walls shouldn't be there to keep people out Yeah, let's come together, ready for change, now is the time We are one unit that is under God, let's put an end to the racial divide uh, I gotta scream it out louder, let's rebuild the kingdom from the ground up Bringing unity in the community and keep the Holy Spirit all around us Yeah, yeah, defund the church, let's go I'm Frank Turner here with Pastor Justin Douglas of the Belong Collective, and we're so excited you could join us today. If you don't uh, mind, please grab the subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, and all other major podcast platforms. Uh, before we get into today's topic, Pastor, I just want to let the li- just let the listeners know why they should be listening to Defund the Church. Uh, Defund the Church, why they should listen to it? They should listen to it because this is an opportunity for you to consider different ways that your church can engage some of these really important social issues of our time and ultimately uh, rebuild the kingdom in a fresh new way. I mean, we're not, um, we're not just talking about defunding the church for the sake of defunding the church. We're talking about what it looks like to imagine something different. And obviously deconstruction is start of part of building something new. If you want to remodel your kitchen, you got to take out those old cabinets. You got to take out that old tile and you get to build something new on top of it. And we really feel like, this is a prime time to build something new in the church, something that's um, more justice oriented than we've been in the past. And so we want to have those conversations here. We're not always going to get it right. Uh, we are flawed men. Uh, and, uh, and ultimately, like, uh, we just want to begin that conversation. And even when we get it wrong, hopefully, at least it sparks an opportunity for uh, us to think together and dream together and envision together how the church can maybe move some of what we've invested so much in. And obviously money is part of that when we say defund the church, but I think also defunding ideas, like some of the ways we've placed our energy. And so uh, this is a space for that, a space for us to have honest conversations about uh, the future of the church and how we think there's possibilities here. There's, I always say it this way, whenever there's obstacles, there's always opportunities. So we're trying to look at some of the opportunities that exist right now with the many obstacles that are present in our world. Amen. Amen. So we're not going to waste any more time. Today's topic is going to be a quite an interesting one. You know, one of the things that is coming up we're in election season, uh, for, for those who, who haven't noticed, and there is a huge divide in the country. And one, and one side of the divide, obviously, is Donald Trump. And one of the things I want to speak to you, Pastor, about is, you know, Donald Trump is, has a huge hold with evangelicals. And some people would say that some of the things Donald Trump has done is very uh, counterintuitive to what would be considered the Christian faith or the kingdom life, however you want to phrase it. So just speak to Donald Trump kind of as, 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 as they've kind of put him on a platform 
um, in the evangelical side of things. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so I think the very first place to start here is to say, how do we look at our president or our leaders in general? Um, I think in our world, we've been taught that like our president is our savior. And, and I just want to be clear that that's present on both sides. Obama definitely had um, many people felt like they were being saved through the Obama administration. Like the idea of like uh, so much liberation taking place. And I don't want to like downplay the fact that like a black man being president um, for many symbolized a certain amount of like, wow, I didn't think this was possible in my lifetime and I'm seeing history happen. So not to say that there's not value and depth and, and beauty in that. I think the struggle is, is that when we place our hope in a person, in a candidacy um, or our saving, which when you listen to the language of both parties, that's how they frame it. Like, we will save you. The other guy's going to kill you pretty much. Like, that's how we talk about uh, candidacies. Um, it, it primes you up for the idea of looking to this candidate as flawless, perfect, as a pseudo savior. And here's the deal. I think it's really important to go, like, I, I, know, I know we want to have like a conversation about right now and we'll get to that. But like, if we go back to the scriptures, and we go back to the inception of kings in the first place, like the people wanted a king, the people of God wanted a king like all the other nations. And God's like, no, I'm your king, follow me. And they were like, but we want a king. And then finally he gave him a king. And it's like, and, and the idea here was like, but that's not really gonna make you happy. Like that's not gonna fulfill the need that you think you, you, you want, you know? So I think it's important to recognize it's part of the human condition to look for a leader to follow, a savior, if you will. And in many ways, David becomes that for the Old Testament. And that's why Jesus is so linked to David, because there's this imagery that these people had in their minds in their past of David being the, you know, savior king of Israel. And now Jesus was playing on many motifs from David um, in just the way he set up, you know, the kingdom. And so so I think it's important first and foremost to recognize that like we're called as followers of Jesus to see Jesus as the king of our kingdom. Um, and, and the way in which he, uh, his life, ministry, death, resurrection is all symbolic of the way we're called to live. And, um, and ultimately that's embodied by self-sacrificial love. And so when we look at our political system <laughs> and I say self-sacrificial love, it can be very hard to find that. And again, I, I, I do want to say either side. Um, now, when we get to Trump, uh, we can dive in a little deeper um, because Trump is, is interesting. I, I was shocked in 2015 into 2016 as he kind of rose to popularity and especially rose to popularity within the white evangelical Christian community largely because he was so morally in such a different place than other previous um, candidates for, I guess, what you would maybe call the moral majority or, you know, that kind of group. Um, I mean, just comparing him to George W. Bush, it, it, there's a clear, like, just stark difference of trajectory, of lifestyle, of background, of ways that they talk to people, about people, you know, just, there was, there's just such a different personality than any candidate that um, is in modern Republican history. And, and obviously that 
is what I think Trump was playing on, being that different candidate. And one of the things I think he played on was, for many people in evangelicalism, God is this angry lightning bolt God in the sky who's ready to strike you down the moment you get out of line. Um, God says it like it is. And if you don't want to believe it, tough. You know what I mean? Um, I think that the, the, the evangelical community is kind of getting tired of um, being kind. Let's put it that way. I mean, and, and part of it is also like they're getting tired of, of the language police trying to change the way they say things or, 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 encouraging them to reconsider how uh, they apply some theologies that they believe. And so Trump said it like it is. He's bold. He's punitive. He's powerful. These are all indicators that ultimately connected to the God that they worship. And the funny thing is, those are the aspects of God that we might see on display in the Old Testament, but they're not really the aspects of God that we see on display in Jesus. And um, yeah, so we see that with Trump. I, I can go deeper into that, but but ultimately, when I look at what has appealed in Trump to white evangelicals, I do think they see that angry God kind of connection, whether it's subconscious or conscious. I don't think many of it's conscious, actually. I think it's more subconscious that this connects with the God that they want to serve, this God who's on my side and will kill my enemies for me. Uh, certainly not a call to love your enemies or pray for those that persecute you, as Jesus would have said so. I don't know, Frank, what do you think about Trump and his rise to power as savior, uh, you know, American savior? I mean, it's very interesting. Um, and you made some really good points. I just feel like, you know, obviously as, as a black person, seeing Donald Trump, where he came from, the roots of where he came from was when he was, as you mentioned, and I agree. One thing I want to, before I even start is coming to this conversation correct, which is both sides have a way of demonizing you know, the, the other party and looking at their party saver. There's many people who voted for Obama 2008, 2012, and they just felt like that was the best thing. And, and if you go back and look at his record, there are some things that as we as we spoken about is, is not necessarily um, great, but at the same time, what, what, what happened with Trump, I think, I think the disrespect that black people felt, this is just my opinion from a black person, Trump won over people, his first, kind of rise was to say that the first black president was not even a citizen, right? That was, that was his major yeah. angling into the foray, which is to say, not to say that I'm good enough, I'm, I'm gonna be the president, right? I'm, I'm smart enough, I'm rich enough, whatever. That's, that would have been one thing. But the fact that he dredged up kind of that, black people are kind of always having to be, and like, like he actually, like Obama actually produced his birth certificate. And people to this day still think that he's so, somehow tied to Kenyans and Muslims and all this and that. Um, the double standard, I guess, of Obama having to leave his church when Reverend Jeremiah Wright said a certain thing right now. I'm not saying Jeremiah Wright was right for what he said, but Obama did not say it. he was just in the church, but he actually ended up leaving the church. That was a huge political thing. Meanwhile, the, the white privilege of Trump did not even have to leave his taxes, right? So you got, I got to leave my church because my preacher said, but I don't have to release my taxes that are my own. So from, from me, there's a human part of me that just looks at the, the things in this country from a standpoint of Donald Trump was an implicit nod to the, the, the reintroduction of, of white supremacy, mm. um, at, least, at least a thinly, at least a thinly veiled, a, a less thinly veiled version that may have already been existing to say, hey, we're tired of, you know, I mean, you have people, we have politicians like Mr. McConnell saying that Obama was the sin that America paid for. It's like, 
that doesn't even make sense because <laughs> one, there's already been, there's only one who could pay for sins. And so there's nothing else anybody could ever do that atones for, for the wrongdoing of man mm. except Christ. So the idea that Obama had atoned for some sin in America and now we can go back, it's like, I, I guess the thing to make America great again, as, as many people had said, which is one of his slogans in the fir at first campaign, was it took people from, from you know, black people would say, hey, when was America great for black people? And, and if you go back just even 60 years, you're still dealing with potential, you know, um, you know, lynchings and you're dealing with other things, you know, can't vote. So there's a lot of things that, you know, when people talk about that. So, so I guess to not go on too long a tangent, the thing about Donald Trump is that, that, that biblically we can all learn from is this. He is an example of a man who, when, who, who, who is a, a godless man who, when, when you rely on the adulation of other people and you just want to, to be like, you, you believe in yourself and everything you can do, that's, that's who you are, that's who you become. You become Donald Trump. He aligns himself. Some people say he's racist. I'm not even convinced that he's racist as much as he is a, megaloma a megalomaniac and a narcissist. And he's willing to align himself and co-opt any narrative that boosts him up because of his self, to boost his own self-esteem. And when you don't have Christ, you're, you're always searching for something to build you up and boost your self-esteem. He doesn't have peace inside of him. So, you know, one thing I'll say is he is to be prayed for. I, I, I am not a fan of him. I didn't vote for him. I, and to be honest, I'm not going to probably vote for him uh, in this election. But what I will say is he is deserving of prayer. He is still a man that God created. And we need to understand that even, even in some of the decisions that you might not agree with or things he's done, he's still someone that God created and loved and said, hey, uh, this, this, is, this is someone who has access to the kingdom of God. And whether or not he chooses, that's obviously a different story. So just kind of wrapping it up, I would say that for me, I look at Donald Trump and I say, you know, the thing that felt disingenuous was the people that said they were in the kingdom, in the faith, going with a man who clearly wasn't in faith. You know, Donald Trump has said in interviews, hey, I don't really believe in God. I don't really ask forgiveness. I just kind of do things right. He has, he has never professed Christ. He hasn't done things that are, 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 are you know, what would, would, would look like he's turning to Christ. So it just feels odd that people who say they're in Christ have wed themselves to a man um, that really hasn't shown those things, whether or not just morally, but spiritually, that he's in the kingdom of God. And I think it's been upsetting to a number of black people who are in faith and saying, well, why, you know, this is why we have this divide because you, you are choosing a candidate. You're choosing somebody whose sentiment is against your brothers. And you said that we're brothers, but you're really not because this man is not, this man is, is, is done things and said things. And I know people will put up numbers. We have HBCUs and things like that. But one thing I'll say about this, Trump has maybe done some things for black people. I, I, there are some statistics out there, but one thing I say is what he's given black people has been out of spite. He, when he gives things to people, it almost feels like, I don't know the exact king's name, and I should have looked this up before we came on here, but when you think about Abram, he rescues Lot, and the, there's a king, and you might know the king pastor, who offers Abram something. Abram says, you know what, I'm not taking anything from you, because I don't want you to have any claim over my victory today. Mm. I, don't want, I don't want anything, and what Trump does for black people is, he gives you something, but he parades you around after he gives it to you. So Angela Stanton, okay, yeah, he pardons you, but now you know you're on. You're, you're you got a shill for him. You got a tap dance. You got to do the menstrual show for him. And to me, you know, that's not a way that 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 we should be. That's not giving in love. That's not kingdom. Like if I give you something, it shouldn't be. Well, his his campaign of black people was, hey, it ha it can't get any worse. You might as well give me a shot. Like why? 
if, if we're if we're brothers and equals in Christ, why are we why are we having to be holding to somebody who is not even who's giving us things out of spite? And I think that's personally is is what bothers me. It's not even that he hasn't done anything for black people, but the fact that the things he does, he does for a purpose. He doesn't do it out of love. He does it out of spite to parade people around. And then when he's done with you, then you don't get, because think about somebody like Candace Owens. She was mad that she didn't get to speak to RNC, right? But they've used her as a, as a tool to push an agenda, but then they don't even give her a platform. And, and so that, and that's the thing people need to understand. It's like, um, and like I said, I, I went on, I'm going on far too long, but I just- No, you're good. You're good, I just, man. I just- <laughs> I, I, just, I just want to get all that out from a standpoint of things need to be given in love. And yeah. this, this presidential administration, like they may have done things for black people, but it's not out of love. It's out of spite. It's out. It's, it's so they can hold something. And, 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 and that's not to even speak to democratic party right on this, but I'm just saying we, we're just speaking about the current administration. So I just kind of want to leave it there. Yeah. Well, well, let me, let me, let me share, let me share real quick. One, one quick thing. And Frank, you, you did a great job of just expressing your heart there. And I think the hard part is, is that like Trump, I think it's really difficult. And let's just say, cause I guarantee there's people listening that are here that are like in a place where they just look at people and they're like, how could you support this man? And I think what we need to remember is that the drug of tribalism is so incredibly strong that it will blur your vision in morals. It will blur your vision in what you're actually seeing. And I'll say this, whenever this Trump era ends, whether it's another four years, whether it's a year after this election and things kind of fade and that tribalism kind of begins to be in the rear view mirror, I think people are gonna come out of it and be like, what in the world was I supporting? And I think it's going to be an opportunity in grace, an opportunity in love, an opportunity in forgiveness, because I do think much of what you said, like he, as you, as we look back and listen, I think we're going to realize Trump was the George Wallace candidate. Like, and if you don't know George Wallace, just Google him and go look at what he stood for. Trump has used literal quotes from George Wallace, which like, like just the same kind of whistleblowing type technique on race and other things. And in one moment saying he's the candidate for the black community. And then in another moment, bringing back this like segregationist mindset um, and even some of the statements from segregationists. But, but here's, here's where I land. The fruits of the spirit, a few things. They'll know we're Christians by our love, right? This is what we're told. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest commandments, right? The fruits of the spirit, right? Love. What is love? Love is patient. Let's just stop there. Is there anything about Trump that makes you think he's patient. Oh, love is kind. Is there any time where he's expressed legitimate, genuine kindness? Like you just see someone who's incredibly self-absorbed, like selfless love just does not seem to exist. And that's not me judging him on one incident, a week, a month. It's four years. And it's also what led up to him becoming president. And I just want to remind you, the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Especially those last two, gentleness and self-control. I see nothing. I literally see nothing. The man goes on Twitter rants that are like something you would find a toddler ranting about when their toys taken away from them at kindergarten. Like it just, it's, it's hard to see as a leader even 
Like remove the policies. And that's the thing I think people struggle to do. They like Trump's policies. And my thing is, is like, you can like the guy's policies, even though I think there's a lot to be argued about there. And we can argue policies and not talk about him as a person. But why can't you find those policies in a different candidate? Like, because this guy is ultimately morally disqualified from being president based on any standard that we've had in my lifetime. This guy's morally disqualified from being president by Christian standards, by the standards I was taught growing up in conservative evangelical white Christianity. So we've moved the goalpost and it's going to be hard when we want to move it back. And it's even going to be harder when you have the Democrat archetype that comes up against Trump, which is not Biden yet. But when you have someone who's morally corrupt and like out with it on the Democrat side, and I'm going to be the mean candidate on the Democrat side who's going to say it like it is. And now the Democrats in, I, I, I might want to revenge of sorts. Does that make sense? And to, to say, we'll, we'll elevate that candidate. And then Republicans are going to be like, well, you can't do that. This guy's clearly corrupt. And this is where I'm trying to say like that no one wins when we elevate this kind of leadership. No one wins. Um, and even when you think you're winning, usually you come out of the fog and you realize you lost. And so um, that's my thoughts on Trump. I don't think there's anything in Trump that embodies the character and life and ministry of Jesus. And I'll say this, I don't think any president gets it right, but I can say I've seen multiple Republicans and Democrats in my lifetime show like empathy, show kindness, show grace, show forgiveness, show self-control, show these just like generous ways of living. And, and ultimately they become a model for like humanity, for like what it means to be human. It's hard when we see someone like Trump who's so brazen in that position. And um, yeah, it, it makes you wonder like how evangelicals continue to support him. And I think many of us are scratching our heads there. Man, thank you, thank you, Pastor. That was that was really good. Um, like I said, there this 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 is one of those topics that is is very difficult. Um, but we 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 just we're just grateful that you were able to hear this and listen. We pray that um, you would have these discussions in love with your friends. I know there's people on both sides of these equations, and I know that as election season comes up, it's very easy to to demonize and say. But I will say this: none of us um, have ever none of us who ever lived just know God's full purpose for what He's doing, and so. I, I encourage us, as, as Pastor said, when these time, when this time period ends and things, you know, will realign, what, what lesson is God going to show us? Are we going to have grace? Are we going to say, well, you know, I told you so, or that's what you get? Are we going to know that, that, that God is working in the fullness of time to make all things right? And we don't always understand that. And it doesn't look like, you know, from a human perspective that it makes sense. But I can just say that God, you know, God is sovereign. Um, and, and as we, and like I said, as, as we go, you know, forward with these, these podcasts, these conversations, I want that to always be the thing we take away from us is that there are some things that are head scratching and confusing and downright frustrating at times, but we must recognize that we serve a God who has never failed, who's never made a mistake. And so let's just keep that in mind as we head towards this difficult season. Um, and, and like I said, approach everything in love. Um, Pastor, if you don't have anything else, we're going to uh, wrap, yeah. wrap this one up. Thanks, Frank. So again, we'll encourage everybody to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, um, and all other major podcast platforms. I want to thank everyone for listening. We love you. We couldn't do the show without you. Uh, take care of yourselves, be safe, and we'll see everyone soon on another episode of Defund the Church. 
thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and automated podcast platforms. And also, don't forget to visit defundthechurch.com where you can find news and information on how to support this movement and rebuild the kingdom. Thank you.